what is up? It's your girl Ortizis, and you are now locked in to the Intersection Podcast. Welcome, 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 all my beautiful souls. It is the second week of March, and you know, we're not going to talk about the time lost. We're going to talk about the time gained, and that's essentially what this is all about, just moving forward tackling our goals one by one and you know just really doing things when you really don't feel like doing them (laughs) you know what I'm saying but you know you need to do it it's about your needs and not your wants so that's where I'm at with my mood today we finna get into some real juiciness if you are into the reality tv world (laughs) that's what I will be focusing on today Um, And just a lot of conversation about inclusivity, a lot of conversation about colorism again, and a lot of conversation about what we actually need from those conversations when they are on public forums. So in so many words, it's going to be a bunch of girl talk today. Sorry, guys. So if you haven't made yourself aware of what's going on in the fashion world, one of the biggest fashion shows of the century are is coming back and it is Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret's fashion show is now back and if you have watched the trailer for this said event, you will notice <laughs> you will notice the diversity in in the actual trailer. You would know that it's not just the petite thin ladies anymore it's not the supermodels just by themselves anymore and I do want to be careful with my verbiage because just because you are a normal supermodel does not mean like just because you're a plus size model or something like that that you can't also be a supermodel but um let's be for real uh the the image that Victoria's Secret sells is for tall skinny women that don't have a lot of butt cheeks (laughs) um so in this trailer you see just a bunch of different kinds of women and for a progressive person or for a liberal person that may seem like a good thing right like they're finally getting with the times they're finally addressing these discrimination issues amongst uh body shaming they are trying to get with the current times, right? Um, that's a fair thought to be, or it's a fair emotion to be excited about something like that, to, to see more representation on the runway and to see more women who look like <laughs> more women. So it's more accessible as far as comfortability-wise. Um, a lot more people will be comfortable watching the fashion show because they do see themselves represented on that stage as well. But while yes, that's great and all that's, that's completely fine. And I am happy that they decided to get with the times and really understand that there's not just one certain body type in this world. I think what Victoria's secret has done is gave us like a here damn you know like when someone keep like a a little kid keeps bothering you about some candy you got and you're like here damn like 
oh my god take this and be quiet that's what i feel like this is underlining um so like i feel like they did this just for inclusivity's sake so just to say that they're with the times that they're hip and that they're fetch <laughs> i think that's why they decided to incorporate some other positive body positive models into their show because when we look at the history of the brand we have to keep it 100% real with ourselves what have we what have we observed what have we felt how did that how long did it take for them to respond now 100% I do not remember when the last Victoria's Secret show was I have literally no idea because I stopped watching it. But with that being said, they took a break for a reason. Um, they weren't getting that support that they once had because of how exclusive it was to one type of body, um, how exclusive it was to one type of woman. Um, and I think that while obviously you gonna piss some people off when you're doing changes to your brand or doing changes to your company and that that just comes with the territory but i do think we need to be aware of brands that purposely wait out to see how long the old way can last without catching up to the times because i really feel like that's what victoria's secret did um, they waited to see how long they can continue to push this narrative of the super thin girls that are only eating one almond um, a day to make sure that their stomach is flat for the fashion show. Now, as a former model, well, I, I don't even really have to say former, but as a model myself who was actually immersed in that world, um, I do know what that looks like and I do know what that feels like, especially being somebody who has been thin most of my life i just recently started gaining weight uh shout out to the cheeks <laughs> but anywho i think that it's really important to be weary of what messages we are sending to to young women and young girls and i think that for over 20 years um victoria's secret has been the say all be all of the lingerie industry and I think that when they got some friendly competition with um, Savage and Fenty, which is Rihanna's brand, I think that is what pushed them to the more liberal state of branding because they realized there's no way that they can keep up with this billion-dollar brand that has all sizes and all shades of people represented it. They are all represented. Represented. And I think Rihanna really set the standard for giving us a very good product along with a brand that is high in integrity. So what Rihanna has done with her brand is, first of all, she won America's Heart first because, you know, bad gal, she's, she is not what you would imagine like a princess to be but she's America's sweetheart she does what she wants when she wants how she wants because she don't give a damn which respectfully so right so 
knowing what type of person you are, you want your brand to reflect that, right? So what Rihanna did was she said, you know what? Screw the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Screw people paying me to perform at their events. Screw me doing makeup campaigns for other people. I'm going to I'm going to be making my own lingerie and I'm going to be making my own makeup and I'm going to make sure it's affordable for everybody and I'm also going to make sure that it's a damn good product. And I think when she did that, especially as um a islander and as a black woman at the end of the day i think that victoria's secret got the shaking in their boots that's all we ain't seen no fashion show because they can't keep up with rihanna rihanna sorry i need to say her name right rihanna 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 they can't keep up with rihanna so of course now all of a sudden they have they have an inclusive fashion show where it's now broadcasting all shapes and all sizes, which is great. I'm not shunning them for that. I'm more so shunning why did it take y'all so long? It took y'all so long because them pockets getting empty because nobody trusts y'all because y'all have lost integrity within y'all brand. Why have y'all lost integrity with y'all brand? Because you waited too long to, to make a statement that you are for all people. We are now in a time where if you are not for all people um, or you're not necessarily t- taking a stand on things that truly matter to the people, what what are you doing? And Victoria's Secret has failed us in those manners. So that's, that's kind of what I feel about um, the Victoria's Secret fashion show being back. Will I watch it? Absolutely. I'm very curious to see how they're going to make their fashion shows more creative than what they've been. Because what we normally see from Victoria's Secret is a standard traditional fashion show, runway show, up and down the runway, big wings, you know. And that's fine because we know what to expect. But that's really hard to keep people interested when you have a, a opponent like, Savage and Fenty, who are doing movie runway shows where the creativity is so out the box and the the camera angles are so um, eccentric and so different. How do you make your show interesting enough to keep people's attention that whole time? Do you want me to answer that? You add different types of people and women to your fashion show because you're just not there yet you can't compete on that level of making this fashion show look super different as far as the creative design of it but what you can do is you can't control who you have in the fashion show so instead of spending millions of millions of more dollars on the creative direction of the show I'm assuming that they decided to just incorporate different women with different size body parts. (laughs) So they can be like, okay, well, we took the first step, right? Inclusivity. We took that first step. And then the next step will be, how do we step this up a notch? But we shall, we shall see. But that's, that's my take on the Victoria's Secret fashion show and how it is all of a sudden back. Um, I think they're doing it just just 
for the sake of saying that they did it. Um, and I do think there is some ingenuity about that. But I do I I do want to say, you know, clap, clap, whatever. Congratulations for finally getting it. But at the same time, I just can't bring myself to applaud a fish for swimming. I just it's just not in me to do that. So let's let's see some more from you, Vic, little Miss Victoria's Secret. Let's see what you need to un, un, reveal some of those other secrets so we can really, really get the tea on what's going on. On to the next segment. Um, let's talk about Drusadora. Let's talk about Drusadora of Real Housewives of Atlanta and how her and her husband just filed for divorce. And my girl Drew filed literally only 61 minutes prior to him filing. And that's 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 what I'm talking about. That's girl power. You want to know why? Because this man told her to give him a heads up if she planned on filing for a divorce after he was always like he was already estranged from the marriage. And you going to tell me to give you a heads up? Yeah, I got a heads up for your ass. Watch this. I would have went up to that filing place just like she did, filed that divorce paper just like she did, and then when I was done, would have told him, oh, yeah, by the way, you might want to go file your part of the divorce because uh, it, it's giving <laughs> I won regardless because of all the, 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 sh the shit that you've been doing. Um, so just a little backstory for people who are not hip to Real Housewives of Atlanta. So Drew Sedora, if you remember watching um, the TLC movie, Drew Sedora is the young lady who played T-Boz in that movie. Um, so just to give you an idea of what she looks like, she played in some other stuff too. I just can't remember it right now. But if you watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know that Ralph Pittman, which is her husband, he is just such a just, ugh. Like he is such like a jock. Like he's one of those people. Like he got a peanut for a brain. He's very misogynistic. He's very argumentative. He's very condescending to his wife. Um, you see a lot of their trials and tribulations um, on film because obviously they're filming Real Housewives of, of Atlanta. But all in all, I think that you can see through the facade that he's trying to put up. Well, not even necessarily trying to put up because he was very rude, rude to her every time they pretty much filmed. Like, one of the biggest incidents was he randomly went to Tampa, didn't tell his wife, didn't tell him, didn't tell uh, Drew why he was there, who he was there with, and how long he was going to be there. He just went. And that was one of the storylines for one of the seasons. Like, where did Ralph go to Tampa? Like, why did he go to Tampa? And why didn't he tell his wife? So, like, it was an ongoing joke amongst the ladies, like, um, well, you need to find out what Ralph was doing in Tampa. And obviously, as the viewers, we all assumed that he was cheating because that's the type of vibes he get off. Like, he gives off, I'm a cheater, and you can't do nothing about it, and I'm going to gaslight you the entire time of me trying to be, like, while I'm being dishonest with you, I'm going to gaslight you about everything. And it even got to a point where... Drew didn't even realize she was being gaslit. So production <laughs> made a short film showing all the times that Ralph Pittman was gaslighting Drew, his wife. Dude, 
I, I wish I could like put a video up here and show y'all, but don't trip because we gonna have visual shoot <laughs> visuals soon. Um, so don't don't trip about that. But this is the killer part. He did all of this. He like she's trying to get marriage therapy. They they're going through counseling. They're doing all of these other things, and he's acting like he's so progressive with it, and that um, that's what they should be doing and things of like that. But he does not. He doesn't. He doesn't participate really in those real conversations. All he does is say mean stuff about Drew. And she would just start crying. And, I mean, if that was my husband and I had a, you know, a kid by him, which I don't think that they have a kid together, but Drew does have um, a son that's not his. We're going to get into that, too. But it's just like if you if you can call yourself being somebody's husband, I think it's a few things that you should be holding yourself to a standard or two. Like, you're supposed to respect your wife. You're supposed to listen to your wife you are supposed to be the head of the household and Ralph was given very much little bitch ass nigga. Like that's what he was given <laughs> like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I really want y'all to, if y'all don't watch real housewives of Atlanta, I really need y'all to watch it. So y'all can understand what I'm talking about. But anyways, this man, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Ralph. Okay. This man wrote a whole book about how to be, uh, a stepdad because <laughs> he's the stepdad to Drew's son wrote a whole book about how to be a stepdad and would not adopt Drew's son and his excuse was he asked Drew's son if he wanted to be adopted and he wasn't comfortable with that and he talked to uh Drew's son's dad and he and he wasn't necessarily comfortable with that if his father is absent in his life and does not do anything for the child, why would it matter if he has an opinion on that or not? If you're stepping into the road to be a father, you're married in his family. This is legally your stepson. Why does it matter? Who like who cares if if you love that kid and you're going to have that kid kids back for the rest of your life or that's what you plan on doing because you're married to their mom? Um, I would hope that, you know, that will cross your mind to adopt the kid. And I 100% understand, like, how it could be viewed as, oh, that's way too much responsibility. But it's not because you're already doing those things as the father-in-law. Like, you're you're already doing, not father-in-law, but the stepdad. You're already doing those things. And on top of that, you're writing a whole book about how to be a good stepdad. And one of the things in order to be a good stepdad, you, you might want to adopt a kid who doesn't have a dad, an active dad in his life, especially when y'all been married for almost 10 years. It's, it was just a lot of stuff that wasn't adding up to me. And then, first of all, he didn't even tell Drew he was writing a book, didn't let her read the book, but asked her to write a foreword. So you telling me you gonna write a whole book about my son and how to treat my son, but I can't read the book and I can't know what's in the book, but you want me to write something nice about the book? Is that not gaslighting? Like I'm I'm purposely not gonna let you read the book. I'm not gonna let you 
get any excerpts of the book, but I want you to write about the book. How am I going to write about something I don't know? This could be a terrible book. You could be you could be saying anything in this book, but you want me to write a foreword? Like, be so for real. Be so for real. How are you going to write a how-to-be-a-stepdad book and then not do the <laughs> stepdad duties of fulfilling that child's needs? It's crazy. It's just crazy. But, um... She did amend her divorce papers. So they filed for divorce, right? And then she amended the divorce papers and said um, she accused Ralph of cheating and abuse in the amended divorce complaint. So she accused him of cheating multiple times with multiple different women, including whoever was in Tampa. She does believe that uh, he was cheating on her at that time. On top of that, all the other times that he was cheating on her because it literally says that he is an estranged husband. So to me, that sounds like they're separated. That sounds like they're not in um, the same living facility. They are separated, like legally separated. If somebody's estranged, that means they're not talking to you. They're not communicating with you and they're not around you. But what stuck out to me though, is that she accused him of abuse, which is like, whoa, right? Because when you watch their relationship on TV, it's like, you don't want to assume the worst, like he's like beating her or something like that. But the way that Ralph acts in like, the way he gets aggressive when he gets irritated or something like that, you can envision that being true and I'm a girl's girl so I'm I'm gonna believe her when she says that she's being abused um because I don't take light of that I think that for one putting that out there in the universe and just for every like for public consumption that takes a lot of guts and now I don't think that's Drew looking for sympathy I think that's Drew being completely honest and calling the spade a spade like while some of y'all were assuming that this was happening, I am confirming, yes, it was happening. She said that he was um, he was mentally abusing her, he was emotionally abusing her, and he was physically abusing her. As in, like, pushing her and making her fall and all, like, all types of stuff. So just read the complaint um, if y'all can find it. It's, it's actually really... It's, it's, it's sad when you see a couple get that far in their relationship and then um, to just call it quits. But I do feel like on one end, not that I blame Drew at all, but I do think she was trying really hard to make something work that was not going to work. He did not want to be with her. And he made that pretty clear um, on camera that, it seemed like respectability politics to me. Like, it just seemed like he was just there and trying to do nice things because that's what he was supposed to do. And he wanted to look like a good husband on TV, but I don't think that those things were genuine. For example, when they had their anniversary dinner and all Drew wanted to do was have a conversation with him about their problems because while, yes, the flower and the roses and the lobster and shrimp and all of this is great, we have real issues that we need to be discussing right now. And you think by gifting me this beautiful experience and just 
acting like it didn't happen, that's going to settle the debt, and it's not. Because the problem is still going to exist at the end of the day. And we see a lot of that when watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, um, when watching their relationship. And it's, it's honestly really sad because Drew... I can't wait till this season comes out because I do feel like we're going to get the most vulnerable Drew that we've gotten Um, because she has been somewhat vulnerable, but she also has been on the messier side of things. So it's like, I wonder, I wonder how this is going to play out um, during the season, like the whole, the moments leading up to the divorce, how she's feeling after divorce how do the other ladies on the show respond to her divorce? Um, I really hope none of them are like like being mean to her about it because nobody wants to lose the love of their life, period. Um, it doesn't matter if one person moved on or not. If a person is if one of the people is still really trying to make it work, um, it's always gonna be a really unfortunate ending to that story because somebody's not going to be able to let go. But clearly they both filed for divorce, so they both over each other. So clearly that wouldn't apply to them. But I'm really curious to see how this is going to play out on um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. Last year it came out in May, so I'm hoping we get some type of Real Housewives of Atlanta action because I've been watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Miami, all of these other ones. And it just don't give what Atlanta gives. Like, Potomac Potomac is close. They got Atlanta, like, neck and neck. Potomac, I, I also love Potomac as well. And speaking of Potomac, we gonna get into Potomac too. So, if you watched the last sessions, the last part of The Real Housewives of, of Potomac, um reunion that just aired uh recently this last week they had a conversation around colorism and around how people view candace or wendy getting upset versus how they view mia or giselle or robin getting upset and while i think that the intention was great i love that andy removed himself Um, from the conversation because he cannot relate to that experience as a white man and I'm glad that he recognizes his privilege in that moment but at the same time I do feel like they should have had a moderator of some sort and I say that because when you watch the conversation play out it seems like Candace becomes the unsaid moderator which I don't think is fair because just because she can use her words eloquently and she is a very opinionated person does not give her the license to run the conversation especially as somebody who is pointing out the colorism um in the principle of it is negatively affecting that said person so it's easy to to kind of fluff up how you really feel in order to make the conversation more fluid and to make it um, more likable so you're not attacking anybody per se, which is why I don't feel like Candace should have been the moderator for that or the unsaid moderator. I think that 
everybody kind of was just waiting for somebody else to say something and then they wanted to piggyback off of what that other person said instead of actually giving a thoughtful response to what the actual issue is like obviously Wendy is a commentator a political commentator so like she can go up to bat with these types of conversation but this is not the platform for her to necessarily do that at that point and what I mean by that is we shouldn't be necessarily looking to Wendy to hold that conversation either because she's also in that said group that is having that issue of colorism um, among the viewers, among the producers, among anybody. So they definitely should have had a moderator. I think that by them not having a moderator, the ball was kind of dropped in the sense of the conversation didn't get too far. Um, I think the biggest takeaways from the conversation was that there is a blatant um, divisiveness that happens when viewers perceive Candace or Wendy to be upset because they're dark-skinned versus when Robin or Mia threatens to beat people up. I don't think people take them as serious. They think it's, like, sexy. They think it's cute. Um, they think that it's, it's more okay when they do it versus when Candace gets loud or if Wendy claps back at somebody, it's seen as more aggressive. It's seen more as, oh, she wants to fight. Like, when in all of these instances, Wendy and Candace both were on the tail end of the battery, I, I would say, because Monique, I mean, Monique was brown-skinned, so it's not like it was a, it was a colorism issue with that. But Candace did get dragged by Monique, rightfully so, because I, I, I'm not going to say that I condone violence at all, but, I mean, if you watched that season and seen the nasty stuff that Candace was spewing out her mouth, thinking that there's no consequence just because you're on TV, that was her own fault. She put her own self in that situation. And if you know that you are at odds with somebody why would you be standing across the table for them from them and throwing wine on them that just doesn't make sense so as far as, uh, as that's concerned I wasn't really sure where Candace was going with the comparison there but I do understand that when the Monique and Candace situation happened there was a completely different reaction than when Wendy was attacked by Mia because, I, I mean, and it should have been a different reaction because, one, Mia didn't actually punch Wendy. She threw her bag at her and threw a drink at her. While, yes, very nasty, very catty, she did not drag Wendy. So, of course, the, the outpour of reaction would not be as great as Monique's um, call, to yet, call to action amongst the viewers and amongst the other castmates. But... What was adherently different with those two situations was that Robin was gassing Wendy up so bad trying to intimidate her to fight Mia when when it was Monique and Candace, everybody was all against Monique about fighting. But then when it came to Wendy, Robin felt the need to antagonize her to 
and egg her on to keep her going so she could potentially lose her job and potentially get kicked off the show. Now, I completely understand that Robin does not like Wendy. Completely clear. We crystal clear on that. But that does not give you <laughs> the say-so to antagonize people because you do not like them when the issue is not even with you. Like, you're on the, you're on the bandwagon. You don't want to charge Wendy up yourself. And when you try, guess what? You were uh, politely pushed back by Sharice. And with that whole situation, she kept saying that Sharice didn't touch her or had to pull her back. So you think that if Sharice did not pull you back, you would not have stopped walking towards Wendy? And let's not act like we think that Robin can fight. We we have already passed that. The only reason why people think Robin can fight is because her husband is a serial cheater and he black. Like, I mean, Robin's black too, but like, be for real. The only reason why people think that Robin can fight is because she's built the way she's built in the fact that Juan Dixon is her husband. She has pent up aggression about her marriage that she is projecting onto other people like Wendy. And I think that the way that the season ended with her actually admitting that Juan did cheat on her, that's why you so pressed and that's why you've been pressed this whole season because you was holding back a storyline this whole time and projecting all your irritation and all your isolation and all your loneliness and hurt. You were projecting that onto the people that you didn't like, which just so happened to be Wendy. And that's why you feel so comfortable antagonizing her at that table. But yeah, anyways, I didn't, that was a whole, <laughs> that was a whole side situation. But yeah, the colorism conversation definitely needed a medi mediator. I think that the conversation was kind of not corny, but like it was just like, yeah, we're acknowledging that it exists. Yes, it's wrong. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's what I got from it. Did it do it any justice? I don't think so. I think that the only justice that it did was the fact that Bravo and Andy clearly want people to be comfortable on their platform to talk about um, diversity issues and things of that nature. Like, I think it made them look good, but by the castmates voting to not have a mediator, I think the egg fell on the castmates' face because y'all should have knew better, especially as black women. Y'all for sure need a mediator. Y'all for sure need somebody to guide that conversation, especially if Y'all thoughts are not going to be original and y'all going to piggyback off of things that everybody else is saying. And that's just my reaction to that. And then um, at the during this this partake, um, there was a situation where Giselle accused Candace's husband of making her feel uncomfortable in a bedroom after filming the last reunion last year. So he was getting dragged all season um, for no reason, really at all. And it came to a head at the reunion. And Chris Bassett finally got to speak for himself. And he was basically saying, like, the the reason I didn't apologize to you at the time is because I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. If I made you feel some type of way, I apologize for that. But you telling me to apologize for what I did implies that I actually physically did something to you which was not the case. And Giselle was just trying to play coy and just like, well, I was uncomfortable, blah, 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 blah. And so Candace 
proceeds to get on her ass and tell her, um, you get to sit over there. Well, she said that, oh, she said something along the lines of, um, this is the reason why a lot of girls do not come forward about sexual assault because of people like you. You sit there with your white looking ass and you you spew lies and it creates this like commercial of madness and in chaos all based off of lies. And a lot of people have mixed feelings about Candace saying that after they just had the colorism conversation. And it's I think that it was a good point for Candace to make. Like, yes, call out her privilege because you you don't get you don't get to sit back and spew lies out all season and then hide your hands and act like you were justified in doing that. There was there's no justification for how she dragged her husband this whole season. And the only reason why she got to drag him was because Giselle is pretty and she has European features. And it's easier to hear it coming from Giselle's mouth is essentially what Candace was saying. It's believable because it's coming out of Giselle's mouth. And just because you say it doesn't make it fact. And I think that was her point. But then Wendy also got some scrutiny for kind of butting in that conversation and saying, Candace, you're wrong for saying um, with your white looking ass or whatever, because we just had this colorism conversation. While, yes, I, I agree with Wendy, I do agree with Wendy, and a lot of people don't agree with Wendy. The reason why I think that Wendy was justified in interrupting that conversation was because if we just had a conversation about colorism and how we're going to choose our words wisely when having a comment on what's going on with our other castmates, calling somebody with your white looking ass is not the best way to go about that. That's probably the worst way to go about that, especially when you just had the conversation of how you were not going to do that. So I looked at that as a good friend correcting her friend in public and some people don't like being corrected in public and that's fine different strokes for different folks but if you gonna sit on the camera and just say this whole spiel about how we need to change the narrative and how we need to be really mindful of the things we say and then you say something like that I would be shocked if Wendy didn't say something to her knowing how Wendy is a person who likes to think of herself with high integrity. If we just had a conversation about this and you just did it, I'm going to call you out because you're my friend and I don't want my friend looking crazy. And I want my friend to know that I'm being a friend by correcting her right now because I see where it's going. And Candace received that and she understood that, and she, but she still stood on what she said. And that's okay too. You can, you, your delivery can be wrong and your message could be right. It's not always about the delivery. Sometimes it is just about the message. And if that's the only way that Giselle was going to get that through her thick ass skull, well, guess what? <laughs> that, that's, that's the only way she was going to get it. And on top of that, her husband being getting dragged all season by somebody who she thought was her friend. So I think Candace was justified. And I didn't even like Candace prior to this season. I I was actually not a fan of Candace at all. 
And then all of a sudden, I'm like, actually, Candace kind of cool. I like the I like the Wendy and Candace duo because they both got good comebacks, and I think that they make a good team. And I think you can always tell when somebody actually cares about you and actually respects you in the way that they correct you. Wendy was so nice about how the way she went about correcting Candace. She was so nice about it. She did it in the most friendliest way possible. She said, Candace, you know I love you, but, you know, that's wrong that you just said that after we just had this conversation. If your friends cannot correct you when you're wrong, then them are not your friends. And we need to be weary on who we entertain as our friends and who we call our friends because... When it comes to these hard conversations, you need to know who's on your team and who's actually rooting for you and who will actually call a spade a spade when the time comes. And I think that's exactly what Wendy did to Candace. And I think that a lot of great things are going to come from this reunion. And I think that it put them in a great place to start filming for um, the next season, season eight. And I wish all of them well. And I hope... (laughs) that y'all actually watch these shows because I am a real housewives whore. <laughs> I've watched Atlanta. I've watched Potomac. I watched Miami. I am currently on season six of Beverly Hills. All I do in my free time is watch housewives. So I could talk about this all day, but um, just if y'all don't, if y'all don't watch it, that's fine. Um, but I do want to point out that if y'all don't watch this, but y'all watching like Baddie South and stuff, y'all need to get it together <laughs> real quick. Cause this is what y'all supposed to be watching the funny, the funny reads and stuff like that. Nah, people just fighting all day. Like I feel like if you watch, but I watch Baddie South faithfully, let's be clear. But I also balance myself out with sophisticated, uh, ratchet humor <laughs> on other reality TV shows. But I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope that this Thursday brings you greatness. I hope that your week has just been doing what it's supposed to do. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're well. I hope that your mental is stable. I hope that your family loves you. I hope that your friends love you. I hope that you love yourself. And thank you for tuning in to the Intersection Podcast.